A scrub is a guy that thinks he's fly and is also known as a buster. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And we are talking about episodes 30 and 31 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable. Yeah, and this is a bit of a a weird one because we got a a one-parter and then we are going to begin with the first episode of a really wild (laughs) four-parter with an interesting structure. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, like like we've said, uh, uh, these these manga chapters were not paced for uh, television adaptation. This is not. Yep. This ain't Bleach, okay? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how a whole lot of short things that aren't quite a full episode on their own, but aren't short enough to have two in one episode, <laughs> are going to get adapted to a twenty two minute show. We're, we're starting off with episode 30, mm-hmm. Cats Love Yoshikage Kira. <laughs> so we begin with uh, Kira's new life as Kasaku Kawajiri, a man with big feet and an unhappy wife. Uh, yep. And he's got to find a way to fake both of those. So he has <laughs> been replacing his shoes one pair at a time so as not to raise suspicion. <laughs> yeah, so that eventually all he's got correct fitting shoes. It's a, a gloomy, rainy day, and Hayato is getting ready to go to school. And Hayato is immediately suspicious of his dad because, you know, his mom is happy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's weird. The strangest thing uh, of all. Yep. My dad's making my mom happy. No. And you would think uh, a guy with big feet would be able to swing that, but never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, when he's Kira's putting his shoes on, Hayato kind of briefly notices that he's having difficulty putting these smaller shoes on. Kira's just trying to say, like, you know, hey, Hayato, have a good day at school. And Hayato just says nothing. <laughs> and am, am I mistaken or isn't there a suggestion that he's noticing, like, in the shoe rack, like, th- there is an almost yes. imperceptible difference in size. Some are longer than others. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does actually take a look at all of the shoes and and gives them a, a the stink eye like there's something weird going on with these yeah <laughs> see uh, uh kira as kasaku is just like oh hi son uh go go get him slugger have a great day is this how fathers talk i don't know i like all the scenes that have to deal with kira trying to fit into a pre-existing family <laughs> <laughs> because he has he had a weird dad mm-hmm. who totally supports him as a serial killer and so, like, trying to pretend to be, like, normal family man is pretty fun. He must be so pissed off that the guy whose face he stole has a fucking kid and a wife. <laughs> How dare he? Where does he get off? That's a lot of extra work for this serial killer. <laughs> Let that be a lesson to everybody at home. Live your life so that a serial killer could assume it if needs be, you know? Right? <laughs> That's the life I'm living. <laughs> Take only pictures, leave only footprints, allow yourself to become a serial killer. That's the three <laughs> rules I live my life by. If you start listening to our Let's Plays and podcasts, my voice is suddenly completely different. You'll know I'm a serial killer now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Hayato just gives his dad just a cold, hard stare and walks out of the house. Yep. And now Shinobu uh, uh, appears on the scene, living her life with a marriage so broken that she needs an excuse to embrace her husband. Yeah. She, Yet she so just... desperate to touch him that she'll pretend to be afraid of that adorable cat from last week. Yep. Flying out of the out of the basement because of that cat. It's not that just that, hey, there's a cat in the basement. The cat's weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a weird cat. 
So this leads us into the OP. And then when we're back into the action, uh, we get a flashback of Shinobu first encountering the cat in the basement. It's just a cute, normal cat. She loves this cat. Love at first sight. It's the cutest freaking thing. Yeah. But I love the, the the sound effects for this. She tries to walk closer to the cat mm-hmm. and it, it pulls its claws out. And when it, its claws shoot out, it makes like Wolverine like snick noises. <laughs> They they sound like they're made out of adamantium. Like Or does Wolverine make cat noises? Ah. Mm, I choose to believe that Wolverine is just a big cat. So she is pretty happy to see this uh, adorable little house guest, you know, ha- having come in through the window. But then she thinks, wait a minute, that cat might pee on this giant sack of potatoes it's sitting on. <laughs> and we can't have that. She, she tries multiple different methods of getting closer to the cat mm-hmm. without it getting upset like turning around and walking backwards toward it so you're not making eye contact that doesn't work he the cat pulls out the wolverine claws again uh so she lays down on the floor and rolls around with her tummy exposed like wow she says quote look mr kitty i'm showing you my belly and being submissive let's be friends (laughs) yeah and the cat pulls out the wolverine claws again perhaps that approach might work on kira too yeah. I mean, yeah. it's worth a shot. <laughs> so at this point, she gets pretty annoyed and like tosses a little like brush at the cat, mm-hmm. which just kind of harmlessly bops off the cat and, you know, whatever. So she pulls out a broom and just starts swatting at it. And the cat leaps straight up into the air and clings onto the ceiling with its claws upside down. And like so far, this encounter has had a lot of the beats you expect out of a stand fight just with no stance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's the the tense approach trying to feel out the the rules and not overcommit, and then eventually someone gets frustrated and just goes in for the big punching but instead of big punching it's it's just trying to swat with a broom <laughs> <laughs> yeah so when the cat flies up and clings to the ceiling she notices that the cat has a big hole in its neck mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. when it meows it like the meow like echoes out of the hole in its neck which leads kira to think uh, as she's telling him the story that like oh is that cat you know like shot by the arrow or something this is like a property of the main bow and arrow that i don't think the other bow and arrow that started the season had like between jank and yeah. boy and this cat that's it's, it, it's a recurring yeah. thing mm-hmm. i mean this this didn't happen to akira you know yeah, definitely not. Unless he just had a hole somewhere under those clothes. <laughs> I got shot right in the ass, and it's indistinguishable. <laughs> Koichi doesn't have, you know, a, a fucking piercing through his throat. Yeah. Although it would be Maybe. cool. It'd be pretty cool. It'd be pretty nice if he got shot right through, like, the earlobes so you could just easily get ear gauges mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and have psychic ghost powers. Kira, hearing the story, like, Shinobu says that she just kind of went ape shit and swung the broom all over the place and the cat got away or something. Mm-hmm. Went back out the window or something. So Kira goes down with her to check the basement and everything's all fucked up down there. Everything's tipped over. There's broken glass. And he spots the cat and it's dead. It's got glass through the body in multiple spots. Now, there's, there's like a fade out. There's like an indeterminate amount of time between when Kira goes down alone and when Shinobu follows to also see this cat yeah. pierced by shards of glass. And like, yeah, the cat's dead. You sent a serial killer down to look after the cat. <laughs> Shinobu is upset that she may have accidentally killed this cat mm-hmm, mm-hmm. while trying to to make it 
you know, go back out the window. She she embraces Kira again, and he's saying all the a lot of the right things now, but only <laughs> to avoid suspicion. So he's trying to comfort her and tell her it's not her fault mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And we we crossfade from the dead cat in the basement to the cat being buried out in the front yard. Yeah, t- time passes in a short montage of like, you know, morning and night and people coming and going. And then the next day is just a beautiful day on the radio. Kai Harada is talking about rainbows. <laughs> Best day ever. And so we see Hayato outside again, going to school. As he, he walks by, the camera pans back over to where the cat has been buried. And there is a really weird, peculiar looking flower growing directly out of the dirt pile. That ain't a flower. That's a Pokemon. You can't fool me. It's a Pokemon. That's a Pokemon. <laughs> Because this this flower, like, that the tulip bulb on it, like, opens up. This cat, or excuse me, this flower, when it opens up, it's got, like, little stems or whatever poking out from it that have little eyeballs on it. Mm -hmm. It's got a little mouth. It's emoting with its petals as if they are arms. This living flower has grown out of the grave of this cat. And we get to hear its thoughts, but it doesn't have a voice. <laughs> its thoughts are uh, uh, relayed to us via the narrator. This is one of the most narrator-forward episodes we've had yeah. in a long, long time. Yeah, and he it almost sounds like the narrator's reading a storybook to us. Yes. The, the <laughs> and is so deep in the cat's mind that the narrator also says meow meow every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is this place? He thought to himself, why am I here? Meow, meow. So yeah, this, uh, this flower, the, the reincarnated cat from the day before, coming to terms with the fact that, hey, it's alive, but it's rooted to the ground. How'd I get here? As Shinobu comes outside, like still sad about the, the what, cat What dying. happened to my tail? What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, yeah. What, what is, where are these arms I got? Yeah. Yeah, the, this cat flower sees Shinobu back outside holding the broom to, to sweep something outside and immediately gets super pissed. Like, hey, this is a lady that killed me. And so it fires off a force <laughs> blast, which uh, uh, obliterates Shinobu's toenail. It flies oh, off. Again, God. I am grateful for the broadcast censorship. Yeah, it her big toe, the toenail on that one just basically just hits the eject button and flies off of her toe <laughs> in one singular chunk. And it's so disgusting. Even with it being centered, just the idea of a toenail just flying off your Oh, foot it's like bad. That. It's grody. And so Shinobu's freaking the hell out because, hey, my toenail just exploded off my body for absolutely no reason. And as she's freaking out and like falling to the ground, going like, what the hell just happened? Some birds fly by and they also just kind of explode. And, and one of the bird carcasses lands directly in front of this little cat flower. And it which... begins drinking the bird's <laughs> blood with like a happy yeah. little slurpy noise. It just goes to town on it. <laughs> so Kira's immediately noticed it like, hey, my wife's, my, my fake wife's toenail just blew up. These birds exploded. There's a flower here eating a bird. That's got to be a stamp user. <laughs> yeah, he, he knows the score. He knows what's up. <laughs> So he approaches this cat and uh, uh, this cat plant, and it kind of likes him. It's kind of into him. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay. You like cats and murder. We have a lot in common. Yeah. Yeah. So Kira's like keeping his distance, but he's just like, hmm, is this flower actually a cat? 
better test it out. And so he does some little like things and the flower immediately goes like, huh? (laughs) This cat is a cutie pie. It's a little cutie pie plant. The, The flower cat is pretty cute. So Kira gets closer and he's just like, okay, well, the plant likes sniffing my hand. It likes getting shin scratches and, and getting his ears rubbed and is purring. That's a cat, all right. Everything about That's this cat also- plant is cat-like. Uh. <laughs> Whoa. He needs to know if the this plant cat thing is like hostile towards him. I mean, mm-hmm. Obviously not. It's getting chin scratches, but it's got little nose holes, little breathe <laughs> holes on his flower face. And so as this cat, like, I guess there's kinda, stomata, I guess. I guess so. Really big ones. Yeah. But the, this little cat thing lays down and starts to go to sleep. And so Kira puts two fingers over each like little nostril to, to plug up his breathing and see like, is the cat going to fuck me up? And it doesn't. So it's like, all right, well, the flower is not going to kill me. So <laughs> guess I'll leave it here until he notices at least that uh, Shinobu is standing back up mm-hmm. and the flower cat immediately gets pissed off when it's yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. And so now Kira has to protect Shinobu in order to protect himself, essentially, because if anything weird happens in this house, it's going to attract attention. And those mm-hmm. those darn stand users have their eyes and ears everywhere. We cannot risk it. So so he has to, like, come in and chivalrously save the day. And, and they say that the first step in couples counseling is establishing common <laughs> ground. You know, there's hope for these crazy kids yet. <laughs> the cat plant is getting ready to fire off another, like, force blast at Shinobu. Kira pulls out Killer Queen to just kind of poke a little pebble by the plant and turn it into a bomb. This time we physically see a bomb that it plants... Yeah, and it's got like a little sigil, sort of. Like there, there's a physical marker to say, this is bomb. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like a little timer, but it's got little Killer Queen cat ears mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> and he's just like, well, this plant's done for. I'm just going to, you know, detonate the little pebble now. And as he clicks the invisible detonator, nothing happens. Killer Queen, not so killer today. <gasps> as Kira's trying to figure out why his bomb won't blow up. The cat plant shoots another force blast at Shinobu, and it hits her square in the chest. Mm -hmm. And you can see the middle of her chest, like, start to cave in and twist a bit. And you can see at the very middle of, like, this invisible force blast is a little cat paw Mm -hmm. (laughs) indentation. (laughs) I I do love the visual for when the cat fires, because all of... The, the petals of the, the cat plant bloom pull together to look the most like, you know, a, a flower that has not yet bloomed. And, yeah. and that is like a turret that then like bends down and aims and fires. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> In order to explain what the hell is going on, the narrator has to pop back into plant brain and tell us. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That that now uh, uh, it recognizes the Kira uh, uh, Kosaku Kira is also a threat to it, and quote the plant instinctively knew just the way to kill the man. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's just a guy fighting a singular flower in his front yard mm-hmm. <laughs> in a mobile plant. Like if you take out all the stands, this is a King of the Hill episode. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. understand his son. <laughs> Yeah. He's trying to preserve a perfect lawn. (laughs) God damn. (laughs) There's a lot of Hank Hill JoJo fan fan art out there, gotta say. There's quite a lot of different variation of propane-based stands for Hank. (laughs) 
they're all pretty good. This cat plant, the what its standability is, is it can control air and basically fire off controlled bursts of air bubbles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when his bomb didn't go off earlier, because like now the the cat just like swats the pebble away and then it blows up. That's because the pebble was contained in a small air bubble that was like depriving it of oxygen, so it couldn't blow up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-huh. You, you you can't have ignition without combustion, and so with no oxygen, the 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 bomb is useless until it yeah. leaves that protective bubble of vacuum. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it, it's firing off these basically invisible air bubbles, almost imperceptible. You can see them in the animation, of course, but the characters can't. So now that Kira's trying to protect Shinobu, the plant is firing off multiple air bubbles that are missing kira going behind him and hitting a big patch of cacti they also have in their garden Mm -hmm. to explode the cactus yes so so the air bubble gets pricked on uh uh, the the cactus which then pops the bubble with such a force it explodes the cactus sending more of the cactus spines into the faces and bodies of kira and shinobu yeah, but but we've skipped one minor beat that shows another of the incredible uh, uh, abilities of air control. Uh, the plant can thicken the air to form a protective yes. shield because Kira's most simple and direct play is to just use Killer Queen to stomp on the plant a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that does so, not yeah. work. It, its foot just sort of slips off the the very thick air bubble, and then it does a little dance. The plant does a little dance and, and taunts it. <laughs> He does like a fighting game taunt at him. But yeah, after that, that's when it blows up like three cacti and yeah, all the little needles fly into both of them. So so Kira is cradling the unconscious, I guess, Shinobu. She, she's fainted from the shock of it all uh, uh, yeah. and is looking down in horror. His tension is relieved when he looks down and sees that none of these cactus spines pierced her eyes or, or did any <laughs> yeah. lasting damage. And he's like, wait, did, did I feel one of those so-called Ooh. feelings? <laughs> yeah, he straight up just asks himself. Do I care about someone else other than me now? Do I have a heart? Are we Harley Quinn and the Joker? <laughs> yes, they totally and are. Shinobu doesn't know it, but that is exactly who she is. Yeah, but he stops himself and goes like, no, 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 I, I only care that she doesn't die so that I don't get caught. Then that's all there is to it. There's no actual emotions or, or care for another person here. It's just me. And so he stands up in front of shinobu to protect her he he's got an idea on how to render the air bubbles completely like ineffective against him mm-hmm, and as mm-hmm. he says this he gets fucked up by an air bubble <laughs> in a pretty gross way yeah yeah so uh, at some point something perhaps the cactus pierced mm-hmm. him and an air bubble got pushed into his vein <laughs> and is oh my god it's so gross it's gross to think yeah. about but it's way grosser yeah. to see i do not like this part at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah so he has an air bubble traveling up a vein he notices and then he tears like the entire sleeve off of his jacket and shirt and you you can see it going up like a little blob in the center of like a a long thin balloon for balloon animals <laughs> Yeah, Kira thinks to himself like, oh, fuck, I got air bubble in my vein. I'm no doctor. 
but I know that you have more than 10 cc's of any gas in your vein. It can go to your heart and fucking kill you. Yeah, that's a real precise measurement for someone who says, I'm no doctor, but... Maybe he watches lots of true crime shows, and he learned it from there. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, probably. He's looking for ideas. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How to mix things up when strangling people and giving horrifying scars down their back just isn't hitting the way it used to. Yeah. But yeah, there's a real gross part here when he he sees the the bubble. It's a fucking big bubble. Yeah. It's like the size it's like the size of a marble like, in his vein. At some points it seems like a fucking golf ball of air. <laughs> yeah. It's going up his bicep. And he tries to stop the bubble but just using his thumb to like press down on it and it's too like squishy and when he presses down on it it just slips up his vein more. I'm squirming. I'm squirming in my chair. I'm just rubbing my eyes. Yeah. Oh, it's disgusting. And so he goes like, oh, fuck, there's only one way out of this. And so he has Killer Queen And he karate chops his own goddamn arm open. It's still attached to this time. (laughs) He does a, 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 like, the the smallest level of explosion Killer Queen can do and just blows up the the portion of his arm where the air bubble is so that it leaks out of the wound he (laughs) blew up on his arm. Oh, so we're free of that. Uh, exchange. Jesus Christ. Uh, and I'm beginning (laughs) to think that the episode title is a little ironic. This cat does not love Yoshikage Kira. (laughs) Yeah. And so Kira enacts his master plan to stop the cat (laughs) from killing him. The unstoppable, unblockable technique to to make this cat (laughs) stop killing him. He picks up a golf ball or, or something about a similar size off the ground that was somewhere in the yard and just tosses it at the cat and the cat gets distracted and he just starts playing the ball and and batting it around with his little leafy arms because he's a cat and that's that's the victory yeah (laughs) he defeated the cat by making it play with the ball (laughs) you think kira watches like unsolved mysteries episodes about the (laughs) hand murderer of morio just to laugh yeah (laughs) There's definitely an episode about Raimi and her family, and the the, the reenactment is just so, so, like, inaccurate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the first real episode where you get to see Kira doing stuff, he makes a hand pun to himself while thinking, this hand I've got is getting a little stinky. I need to kill a new woman. So, yeah, he absolutely would watch a show like that and just take joy in, in the reenactments and stuff. <laughs> He probably writes uh, fan mail to the people that, uh, t- to whoever they got to play the Sugimoto Strangler. <laughs> so yeah, after the, the cat is defeated by playing with a ball, mm-hmm. Kira's taking some damage. He's got cactus needles in him. He's bleeding. He blew up his, ar- blew up his own arm just a tiny bit. But first is the, t- is the mid-episode title card for the cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... So the stand name is Stray Cat, named yeah. for uh, uh, Stray Cats, the rockabilly band that promised to rock this town and rock it inside <laughs> out. Mm-hmm. But I love the way they translate the name of the stand user. It's like plant that used to be a cat. It's very direct <laughs> yeah, and very wordy, but I don't know how you make it less so, honestly. <laughs> yeah, apparently the name of the cat in... Japanese in the manga was just Tama. Mm-hmm. Even the cat got in in the manga one of those pages where it just gives off like stats and like what its favorite food is, is <laughs> tuna and shrimp. And its hobbies in the manga were listed as sticking its head in paper sacks, watching TV, being praised. What a good cat! It's a good cat. 
and it watches TV. I also enjoy the way this uh, title card looks more like a, a, a spread page from like a botany textbook rather <laughs> yeah. than just cool pinup art of, of people posing. Yeah, there's like a little uh, diagram uh, that that's like a zoom in of this cat plant on a molecular level. <laughs> and you can see like in its cell walls and stuff, it's got little like cat eyes as like mitochondria or something. So, so yes, it is later in that day. Shinobu has woken up, and she's never been happier than waking up with mysterious, unexplained cactus punctures. <laughs> this is the best day of her life. The cat plant has been dug up out of the yard and, and put somewhere else. Kira told Shinobu that he, he took it somewhere far away. Uh, Shinobu believes that area is cursed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that corner of the yard is cursed. And <laughs> Kira just told her, like, hey, that was just uh, your overactive imagination because you were so stressed out from the cat dying the day before. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. And uh, then she remembers fainting in front of him. And that's a big turn on for her. <laughs> <laughs> this lady has a lot of turn ons. It must be said. Every episode from here on out, she's basically blushing not 24-7 because everything's a turn on all of How a does she go to the bank? How does she go down to, like, the grocery store? <laughs> Her actual husband was such a boring dud that basically Kira breathing is, like, hot to her. <laughs> Just, like, doing anything is, is attractive now. And he's, like, eating a, a breakfast she made for him. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's, oh, yeah, that's great. So we're hearing her thoughts about this situation that she finds herself in, and she's just like a floating, dreamy face in this red haze. (laughs) But on the opposite side of the frame is Kira just looking cold and pissed off at his plate. He's still, (laughs) he's unchanged. Yeah. Yeah, while Kira is eating, he stops for a second and notices in the reflection of his knife Mm -hmm. (laughs) he can see hayato just barely peeking around from the door behind him uh looking all suspicious before he can do anything about that hayato just kind of like skitters off like a little bug Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or something i am again reminded of uh uh, hayato in mobile suit zeta gundam uh uh yeah harboring quattro begina and being suspicious that he is indeed ashar Mm. Also, I was just looking up the age of Hayato right now because I couldn't really remember how old he is supposed to be. He's 11. This is a very accomplished 11 year old for being able to make an entire like video surveillance network in his own parents home. Yeah. And that's before he thought anything weird was happening. (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Because he he Hmm. took like baseline measurements to compare recent events to. I mean, you got to have that data if you want to do this right. So. Mm -hmm. And yeah, while Kira is kind of wondering like, oh, is Hayato's being a bit weird? I mean, that seems like his default state, but Shinobu remarks like, oh, wow, look at that. You even you're 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 eating the wrong breakfast plate. You're eating mine, which has (laughs) like shiitake mushrooms on it. And I thought you hated those, but you've already eaten like half of them. Since when have you liked mushrooms? And that like freaks Kira the fuck out. (laughs) She's just pleased. She's just pleased that he's eating mushrooms now. Yeah, but yeah. He's like he's willing to try new things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's one inconsistency with the 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 real guy's behavior that he did not know about, and so that's that's stressing him out. So it's time to get to work. No more mushroom mistakes. I got to get out of the house and plan <laughs> my next move. Yeah. So so he puts on his shoes with a shoehorn because you know he he likes to sit, take care of his stuff. 
uh, do things mm-hmm. properly. And because he's, you know, putting on his size shoes and not the oversized clown shoes <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah. that came with this identity, uh, which Hayato, of course, notices in the distance. Mm-hmm. And then it's time to do a kiss goodbye. And he does not do that. <laughs> And that is also a turn on for Shinobu for some reason. <laughs> it's, it, it, now she just thinks he's purposefully tr- playing hard to get. And this is also romantic to her. And she like, like leans oh. in for it like three, four times every time with this pathetic little <sighs> sigh. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't yeah. kiss that either. That's weird. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Kira just walks off to work saying nothing mm-hmm. he just closes the door and she's still just like oh well he's playing hard to get i'll get him later well what she says is quote before before long my seductive love will overwhelm him <laughs> yeah ma'am you have a child together who's 11 just do whatever you did 11 years ago it worked then yeah if it doesn't work maybe that's not your husband and so hayato is hiding on the stairs watching all this go down Instead of going to school, he goes right back upstairs to review his new video footage Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to see what his dad was up to. What the hell is up with all this signature practice? What the fuck, dad? If that is your real name. (laughs) So yeah, Hayato sees the, the writing practice he's been doing. He also sees some other footage where Kira goes into his bedroom closet carrying a very large flower pot full of soil and a big bag of cat food. Uh, and so Hayato goes into this, frankly, massive closet. Yeah, yeah. You could sublet this closet. This, there's a second house in this house. Yeah. It's huge. They rent this place and it's got closets like this? God damn. It's, it's wild. Like, this is a lot of space to have in a Japanese home. Like, god damn. This is Cher's closet from Clueless. This is huge. <laughs> this is an MTV Cribs closet. Like, you could straight up fit a pretty large bed in there and still have room to spare. This is not a closet. This is a secret passageway to the bat cave. (laughs) Yeah. Hayato starts searching all the way through this giant closet that might as well just be an apartment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Plenty of storage space. And he notices like, Oh wait, there's, there's nothing in here, but there is a, a a entryway to the attic in, in this fucking huge closet. He, he gets ready to pull that down as we cut over to Kira walking to work when he sees a bunch of other school kids run by him, all wearing that same like yellow hat that Hayato wears. Except when he left the house, that hat was still on the peg on the coat rack. Wait mm-hmm. a minute. Mm-hmm. While meanwhile, Hayato is learning more and more of what uh, uh, Kira has been up to. Like th- this is a very, it- it's a classic because it's an effective tension technique. Each of them is learning about the other simultaneously. Yeah, because Hayato's up in the attic now and he's spotted the weird plant in this pot. It's very dark in the, in the attic. Like there are actual, there's an actual window there, but the shutters are closed. So he he opens up the shutters to shine some light on this flower, which causes it to wake up. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of sitting there and wiggling a bit, not really doing anything. (laughs) But Hayato's like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Well, what What is that? Yeah, it's... There there are two options to seeing a a plant look like this. You either shout, what the fuck is that? I got to get out of here. Or you you ding a bell and you doff your your little (laughs) hat and, and ask, who grew such a strange and interesting plant? And then order two dozen roses. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he's pretty far away from the plant currently when he notices that it, it wakes up 
but he sees the plant wiggling and it clearly he remarks like that thing's got eyeballs and he's like <laughs> is the cat food for the plant and then as he he's thinking that he hears kira come back in like he he's walked back to the house uh as shinobu's like greeting him and go like oh did you come back because you forgot your goodbye kiss and he just goes no (laughs) (laughs) i forgot something uh so so upstairs haito is being menaced by this now awoken plant and air is just force fields air is just force fields in stray cat land yeah, it, because it's not just bubbles he can shoot. He can shape them. Mm-hmm. So he fires off three blasts that turn into essentially cuffs yeah. that pin Hayato up against the like the wall and ceiling. Wrist, wrist, and neck. He, he's just yeah. being held aloft by air bubbles against the wall. Like, granted, this is indisputable proof that something paranormal is happening, happening to him. But Haito's immediately, like, trying to grab his neck, and he can't see uh, any bubbles, but he can feel, like, a rubbery, squishy, like, material around his neck, and he's just, like, immediately coming to terms with, like, this plant is fucking locking me down with some type of weird air bubble shit, and so he... (laughs) He grabs his protractor out of his, uh, or compass out of his backpack and like stabs at his neck, which pops a, one of the, the air bubble, which sends a forceful enough blast that it hits the, the shutters and like closes them shut. So the cat goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> As Hayato is like getting knocked around by the, the air bubbles, like Kira hears some noise coming from the attic, which immediately makes him freak out. Like, mm-hmm, oh mm-hmm. shit, I'm getting found out now. So Kira pops his head up into the attic, and he looks left, and he looks right. He takes a, a walk around and realizes that, oh, ha, ah, who, everything's fine. Uh, the window has been closed. There's some, some cat food scattered about. That's what all the, the rustling was. <laughs> the plant cat somehow woke up, tried to get the cat food, and spilled it. That, that's all that happened. And Hayato's yeah. nowhere to be seen. It is time to do a villainous monologue. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's not even mumbling this. He's just talking out loud to himself. Just like, you know, it's a good thing that this is what actually happened and Hayato didn't find this. Because if he did, I would have to murder him if he found out my secret that I am not his father. <laughs> So yeah, Kira leaves and, and shuts the attic, and Hayato, still in the room, he is hitting himself in a crate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's doing the Boingo special, yeah. He's doing the Boingo special, uh, and yeah, he overheard everything Kira said, and we end up with a cliffhanger where Hayato realizes his dad is not his dad. And just starts asking himself, who is he? What does he want? Ah! <laughs> ah! Yeah. No, I I do like that Hayato, as a precocious 11-year-old, is able to, I mean, I don't think he could fight Stray Cat, at least not without advanced planning. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't need oxygen for weed killer to work, hint, hint. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, to, to be able to defend himself and just realize immediately like, oh, this is the situation. I guess magic is real. That's cool. Because that's how kids are yeah. at, at least kids in adventure fiction are presented mm-hmm. as just very malleable and willing to accept the impossible whereas adults have closed their hearts <laughs> yeah they, they cannot accept what is obviously true in front of them because they decided that supernatural things are all fake foolishness for for baby children mm-hmm. and that's why they can't go to narnia 
<laughs> no, yeah, I like Hayato's presence in the story because it's really fun to have a new element in, in the cast of someone trying to solve the mystery of what's going on here, but from a completely di- different perspective of, of my dad is acting weird, what's going on with my dad, and he has zero stand powers or anything. He's just a normal kid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Normal, quote-unquote. <laughs> He's yeah, got a video like, surveillance network on his parents. But all, all of our other characters are looking for Kira because they want to bring the murderer to justice and or prevent him from killing again. Yeah. Hayato wants to root Kira out because he wants his family to be sad and shitty like it used to be. <laughs> Yeah, that was comforting and normal. I want my this mom to stop getting off all day long. It's weird. <laughs> and for some reason, I keep watching it. <laughs> she keeps forgetting to pick me up from school. <laughs> but that leads us to episode 31, July 15th, Thursday. She refuses one. to get a tune-up. She says some. She said something really weird about the engine vibration. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> oh, no. Mom. Mom, please. <laughs> Dad's not the car. So, CS, July 15th, Thursday, part one. Yes, July 15th, 1999 was a Thursday. Nothing particularly interesting happened that day as far as I know. Wow. Uneventful Thursday. Okay. But but let's just put ourselves in the space. Uh, the Haunting is the number one movie in America. Okay. Wild Wild West is topping the Billboard 100. Oh, wow. And we are one month away exactly from the debut of WWF SmackDown on television. (laughs) However, the episode does not start on the titular day. It starts July 12th at 2.05 p.m. This is Monday. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. Yeah, it, it starts off with Papa Kira floating around wondering where his son Yoshikage Kira could be. Mm hmm. He's pretty sure that at this point, his son must have fleed and and changed his appearance and identity or something to get away from Jotaro and the rest. Because it's definitely what he would do. He's he's the resourceful type like that. Yeah. He's just kind of aimlessly wandering around the city looking for any signs of his son. Mm -hmm. And we we cut over to Jotaro and old man Joseph with the invisible baby uh, talking to the same behatted Speedwagon mm-hmm. Foundation member we've seen a few times now. Kai Harada in his second job. Yep. <laughs> Perhaps third. And, yeah, Perhaps maybe. first. I mean, he, he was back in Egypt. I don't know how long he's been on the radio. He's a busy guy. Old man Joseph and Jotaro just planning and doing more information collection uh, on the, the search for Kira. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jotaro is talking more about his criminal profiling expertise, which I guess you develop while measuring whales. Maybe, maybe he's the first to wish to witness whale crime. <laughs> Documented whale crime. <laughs> maybe that's why he's such an important uh, whale biologist. He he translated a whale song, and it turns out a lot of it is extortion. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. See, the thing about whales is, like, they can listen to each other from practically the opposite side of the world. Like, whale noises travel so, so long that if a whale (laughs) says, hey, motherfucker, I'm going to stab you, you got to watch your back. (laughs) It could be coming from anywhere. You don't know. But at the same time, the whale cops can hear all this going down, right? (laughs) So, so, So a humpback whale... It's got a grudge on you. What can it do? It's got no no claws. It's got they, they don't have tools. What they do have is big mouths. So it's gonna grab a narwhal and shank you with it. 
Is is the whale cry of a stabbing different sounding? Can you? I guess that's forensic. Whale forensics. <laughs> the distinctive whale cry of being stabbed. <laughs> Perhaps the hardest crime uh, to prove is whale arson. That's what they say. <laughs> yeah, that's. Hmm. <sighs> oh no, there's volcanic vents. <laughs> can whales go down there? I'm pretty sure they can. Uh, so. <laughs> So Jotaro, Okiyasu, and Koichi are hanging out. Or Josuke, rather. Yeah, that's the one. Why, why would he yep. hang out with those two losers? <laughs> <laughs> Our high school trio is hanging out, and they're like, hey, we got to get Kira, but my nephew said don't do that. We got to wait for leads. And they're like, mm, fine. All of the Tuesday scenes are basically this. Everyone is stating their intention for what will happen on Thursday, so I don't understand why Tuesday exists. Yeah. So now it's Rohan's turn. He is uh, uh, on the phone because he is taking advantage of the need for fire repairs to just be like, hey, let's do renovations, build it back different and better. He's on the phone with contractors. Why do we need to know that? Why can't it just happen? (laughs) So we are seeing in all these scenes, though, that Kira's dad is flying around in the background, Mm -hmm. hearing and seeing all this stuff happen. And when Rohan is... On the phone, he's also flipping through like this photo album of all the different people he's been taking pictures of at the train stop. Oh, yes. And Pappy Kira is just so upset at, at this plan. He, he hates he hates uh, uh, the candid shots. Yeah. And so he, he flies off in a rage and he eventually does find his son because mm-hmm. he notices this guy he's never seen before is walking around by the train stop and he can visibly see this dude's fingernails growing he's like, and he's that's like, my that's, boy that's my boy the bond of a father and son can't be broken yeah there, there's this transitional moment while he's in flight like in between harumphing and seeing kira's nails grow at a distance he, he's just restating his plan yet again and this is when i realized that it's such a fucking power rangers ass plan Yes, to just make more bad guys for the heroes to fight. Especially by, like, throwing a spear from the sky down. Like, it really seems it. It's very Rita Repulsa, yeah. (laughs) The the only thing missing is the guys getting big. Yeah. If he threw the arrow at them a second time. That's that's somebody's stand. They're going to get real big. Oh, yeah. He is overjoyed to have found his son, but he notices that there's a little child, like, peeking around from a tree Mm. several feet back. And it's Hayato with a video camera stalking Kira, recording his his comings and goings. And this makes him more upset than even Rohan's book, perhaps. Yeah. And so he decides, you know what? It's time to go fucking crazy with this arrow. I'm going to nail so many people with this in a row tonight. I'm getting no sleep tonight. It's all arrow time. That's what Shinobu said, too. Uh, but yeah, this is perhaps <laughs> the only thing that the Tuesday portion needed to be. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll see how that shakes out next week, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here comes the, the OP, and then, yes, the titular day, Thursday, July 15th, at 7.50 a.m., Koichi runs out into the street because he's late for school. By the way, uh, the OP, did you notice it got upgraded a little bit? Uh, I don't think I did. Some things just got touched up, but there's uh, a portion of the OP where before you saw static images of like Rohan and Yukako and 
some of the other side characters doing like Jojo poses Mm -hmm. and they were just static images. Those have now been changed to be animated so that there's like after images of them like trailing across the screen. And then when they, they uh, like line up together, then they animate and like slam into the pose uh, instead of just being like static JPEGs of characters on the screen. Yeah. Well, how about that? But we start at 7.50 a.m. on the titular day with Koichi running out into the street because he's late. He's going to be late for school and he's class monitor today. Can't be late. Mm-hmm. 8.02 a.m. <laughs> Josuke and Okiyasu walk past a, a stack of junked cars. One red, one white, one blue. I guess the Italian job just happened here. The Michael Caine <laughs> one. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, alongside this field of sunflowers. Yeah, walking down this dirt path in between this the these this field of sunflowers, and they spot. Just a lone pair of binoculars mm-hmm, on the mm-hmm. dirt path in front of them. And Okiyasu's like, hey, free binoculars. And Shosuke says, no, no, dirt binoculars are gross. Do not touch them. And the binoculars <laughs> say, I can assure you, I am not gross. <laughs> binoculars fly up in, in a couple of feet off the ground and morph back into our alien friend, Mikitaka. Hooray! Yay, he's back. Uh, and they're all still like... Are you really, are you going to give up the alien bit now? We saw your mom. You got to be just a dude, right? Come on, spill the beans. To which he replies, what do you mean? I have no beans. <laughs> yeah. The line de- delivery of I have no beans is pretty good. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> He's been hanging out pretending to be monoculars because he, he really wants the, these two to cross his path and show them something. And what he wants to show them is that someone has been squatting in an abandoned transmission tower. Yeah. I mean, squatting as in living, not... We'll get to the other way later, I promise, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's just like, hey, check out this weird thing I saw, my new friends. How do you know what's weird? You're an alien. This might be what people (laughs) just do. You don't know. You don't know. So yeah, it's their... uh, looking at this this transmission tower that's far off and Josuke remembering just the ha- comings and goings of the infrastructure of Morio. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah, this is like a decommissioned like transmission tower that's not being used. Most of their power cables got moved underground now. So like there's no use for this thing anymore. As we know all too well. <laughs> yeah. From the, from the hand versus chili pepper fight. Yeah. Uh, but Mikitaka's just like, no, 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 I want you to take like an even closer look. And so he turns back into binoculars and flies into Josuke's hands. And Josuke looks up at this uh, tower higher up in the, in the higher up bits of it and sees like there's like a tea kettle up there and like there's clothes hung up on it and like a toilet, mm-hmm. a little chair and blankets <laughs> like there's. And Okiyasu nabs the the binoculars out of Josuke's hands while saying, quit hogging the alien. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks even higher up to just see there's a dude way high up on dude. this transmission tower. A second elf. Yeah, another elven looking dude. And he is fishing and he, he catches a, a fish and straight off the line, throws it onto a hot pan and starts cooking it. An incredibly long fishing line, because he is like, pretty far up this tower. He's almost at the tippy top, and he's like <laughs> three quarters up this tower. And yeah, there's a dude basically living off the grid on something that formerly was a transmission tower. Whoa, uh, whoa, think uh, about whoa. it. So yeah, this guy's got a fish in the skillet, and he he has to take it to some other portion of the tower, 
and it looks like he's you know he's walking along these thin metal rails and it looks like he's gonna fall off and everyone's like oh shit that dude's gonna fucking fall and then he just jumps off and a bolt from the transmission tower just fly rockets off uh the side of the tower and then he lands on it and surfs it Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. across to the other side of the transmission tower and he's fine and this uh, uh after everything but this is the thing that makes everyone say yeah yeah that dude's a stand user that's that's some stand business yep. right there we got it we got to check uh-huh. this out don't know if he's friendly or what yet but yeah time time to go check this out and now it's 805 a.m koichi is still running uh but he gets stopped by someone Someone we do not see. We just see sort of like the side of their their uh, white spiky ha- uh, hair. And then Koichi gasps. And that's it. <gasps> now it's 8.11 a.m. And by now the group <laughs> has reached the tower. And in that tower they see the sky toilet. <laughs> and the dude who lives here in the tower is taking a shit. There are no pipes coming out of the sky toilet immediately visible. The action that is about to happen is going to show <laughs> where the pipes go, but the establishing shot of the toilet does not have the pipes leading to that mm. point. Hmm. Very confused about the plumbing yeah. situation. He he has somehow run them along like the the metal beams or I something. Guess. He's got I staples guess. and he's lined it across the the beams like they're Christmas lights. So so our 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 trio, uh, Koichi has been entirely replaced by Mikitaka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> has made it to like a little vegetable garden patch at the base of the tower and uh, uh they they want to talk to this guy, but one of the first things he says is, "Quote, I just answered the call of nature and you don't want to be there to get the message." <laughs> and they're all just like Huh? <laughs> and as they go, huh? There's three pipes that were attached to this toilet that are angled so that they're pointing at this little vegetable garden and they just blast all three of them with pee and poop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to fertilize the garden, which they're in. Okay, okay. All jokes aside, let's just look at the reality of the situation, okay? Because uh-huh. before we cut to Koichi uh, uh, getting shocked and like, oh, blackout tension cliffhanger uh there mm-hmm. there was this a line of this uh mysterious stand user just saying to himself how happy he is to see these guests and hoping they come and approach yeah they do and what does he do while he looks down and watches them walking <laughs> near he decides now is poop time <laughs> he really had to go psychopath the plants were hungry <laughs> They were they can starving. get their own cat food like some other plants I know. They can just shoot down a bird <laughs> if they're that hungry. Yeah, it's true. These plants got to pull themselves up by their own roots. In full view of God and everybody. <laughs> yeah, he's just... He has like a blanket and some tarps draped over other parts of the tower. He couldn't put a little tarp around the corner where the toilet is so he can poop in private. I know he's in a field where most people usually aren't, but still. In, in, also, in any case, get cold? The, the meeting begins, and the most important part uh, seems to be 
just the the living situation in general. Like, did, did you ever think that the tiny home movement has just gotten way too trendy and honestly <laughs> is way too high impact? We need to, we need to really, really reduce. Uh, uh, and so, yeah, everything is sustainable and everything is like interactive. Like, yeah, his toilet fertilizes the vegetables and the vegetables attract little critters and he has snares and things. So that's how he, he gets his, his, uh, uh, animal proteins and Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to the fishing i suppose and it's just a big wonderful ecosystem and he talks (laughs) about how much he paid for this tower on the market i guess because they sell decommissioned towers or whatever who cares dude it snows in this town what are you thinking You are like a hundred feet in the air. It's gonna get windy some days. All your shit's gonna get blown off. You're gonna like you're gonna poop in that toilet when it's zero degrees. It's gonna snow in your toilet. Uh uh. Do do we wanna describe this guy's look now or when he gets his name? Uh sure, let's describe him. He's pretty weird. I mean, yeah, like we said before, he looks like an elf just like Mikitaka. But he is not an alien. If Keebler elves were tall and evil. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his his outfit is predominantly green. He's got like a type of hat that like Roll Casket wears in Mega Man Legends. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say like a exaggerated newsboy cap, but okay. Sure, yeah. He's got a crop vest from which hang suspenders <laughs> for his <laughs> yeah. even deeper green pants. Yeah. And he's got like streaming like going down from like right below his eyes a little bit down almost meeting his chin on each side of his face are not scars i don't know what they are but it's it's like two adornments adornments two darker orange lines going down both cheeks and they each have three horizontal lines going across them maybe they're tattoos i don't know um and yeah he's got like purple chunky boots on like with tread for for climbing and shit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. his crop his, his crop top vest thing with the suspenders looks like he borrowed these from rohan oh yeah oh yeah these definitely came from like uh, uh rohan's fucking like stitch fix box and he sent them <laughs> back and then they got lost in shipping uh somewhere near this tower this guy's like hell yeah free shit they fell out of a plane and <laughs> landed right on the tower yeah <laughs> so yeah th- this guy is describing you know what a steal the tower was how it's completely self-sufficient he's been living in this tower for three years and he hasn't even touched the ground in a month Mm -hmm. like he he just stays here it's wonderful apparently who plants your plants yeah they're in very neat rows and he also claims that, like, hey, I'm super fucking fit. I Because I got to climb this tower all day, every day. I get all the exercise I need and more. And everyone just remarks, this guy's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> they figure he's he's incredibly weird. He's almost certainly a stain user, sure. But, like, he's just a freak weirdo. We Let's just, like, report back to, to Jotaro about it and not pay too much mind. Yeah. They're thinking, okay, let's just leave. Or rather, uh, they're about to, but uh, the gang thinks there is one really weird thing going on here. And as uh, we're about to learn what that is, it cuts again to another event happening at 10.15. B. 
big skip ahead. Uh, it and we're at Rohan's house with, with big scrims up. Uh, uh, you know, controlling the dust as they rebuild a whole side of the house. <laughs> Yeah, and so Rohan is one of the less burned rooms, uh, uh, looking over his his album from you know his surveillance project, and he notices there's a weird little kid filming people in the, in one of these shots. Yeah, hey, wait a minute, who's he filming? What's up with that? And as he's looking at this photo, there's like a wide shot here where you can see the the entire room he's in, but also in the window that's like right in the center of the frame, you can see outside, and there is a dude in a trench coat, just hanging out on a tree right outside Rohan's house, like across the road. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But meanwhile, back in extreme close-up, so extreme that Rohan is looking through a uh, magnifying glass, he must be a fucking expert photographer. Because not only... Because Hayato is in such perfect focus, and he's got to be working with some real fine-grained film, because he can Mm -hmm. bring out... Hayato's name written on the little like tag on his backpack. Yeah, yeah, it's in crystal clear detail. Like Hayato Kawajiri, he gets the name perfectly. Meanwhile, this weird dude in a trench coat outside is just kind of hanging out and like digging earwax out of his ear. Yeah, yeah, he's got a short mohawk, uh, just like a shock of orange hair, dead center, shaved uh, bald everywhere else the rest of his head. He's wearing a long gray trench coat, his very waxy ears, and he's (laughs) what I imagine a goldfish would look like if a genie turned it human. (laughs) Yeah, he he does have fish lips. (laughs) He's got fish everything. The mohawk is the dorsal fin of the goldfish. A very fishy looking guy. So back at 7.33 a.m., we're going non-linear for the first time, way er- way earlier. Yeah, this is wild. Tomiko, Josuke's mom, is coming home. What was she doing out before 7.33 a.m.? Hmm. What shift is she working? Hmm. And she comes home to an empty house to, to wake Josuke up and get him ready for school. Uh, uh, but he ain't there. What she finds instead is a single bite taken out of her favorite treat in the fridge. And she curses her son's name for being so fucking rude. And then she eats the rest of this already eaten treat. <laughs> and there's a, supposed to be a second one in there that is also just completely gone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So blames her son for that as well. Really pisses her off and she just walks out. And as she walks out of the dimly lit kitchen, the camera pans over to the other side where sitting on a chair is a dude that we can barely see with uh, long, spiky gray hair. The same hair we saw in the previous scene with Koichi. Tomiko's uh, uninvited kitchen guest is the same person that will go on to frighten the little boy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now that we've seen that, it is now 814. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. And back at the tower, uh, what should fall from from uh, our, our evil elf's pocket but a certain Polaroid? Pa- Pappy Kira is on the scene. Everybody's like, what the fuck? No, you, you aren't just a harmless weirdo. You're, you're a danger weirdo. Yeah. Uh, and, and Papa Kira looks like frightened, like, oh, no, the, the, I was not supposed to slip out of this dude's pocket. I've been caught. And so Josuke spying this with the binoculars. He just runs at this Polaroid, which is like directly underneath the uh, transmission tower mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to go seize this photo. And as he does, the, this dude who lives in the tower is overjoyed. Josuke has finally entered the realm of his stand. Superfly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Superfly, of course, named for the Curtis Mayfield song and album, which is in turn named for the black exploitation movie that it served as score to. Mm-hmm. The best sounding thing. I think we've got a JoJo, we've got a stand or character named after in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a fan. Not a fan of the Stray Cats. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm quoting Full House. You want to know what's even more worn out and and tired? The sound of the stray cats. So, yeah, now that Josuke has entered within the range of Superfly, Papa Kira is overjoyed. Absolutely. He was just just acting as bait Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to to draw Josuke in range. And then he just kind of fucks off and flies away. (laughs) Bye. See you later, suckers. And so now it is time for our enemy stand user, uh, now that we've met their stand, to introduce themselves. This uh, uh, evil Mr. Keebler is actually named Toyohiro Kanadaichi. Yeah. Uh, Actor notes. For the English voice, I don't want to talk about any of this guy's other uh, uh, credits. There will be time for that another day, I suppose. I just want to point out that this boy is born and raised in Saginaw, Michigan. Oh, shit. He's one of our brethren. Nice. That's pretty cool. Whenever you listen to this guy, you know, try to kill Josuke, remember that that is the voice of a man who is most most assuredly eaten at Tony's and gone to, like, the, oh, the yeah. Frankenmuth Snowfest. <laughs> yeah, he's looked at those ice sculptures. <laughs> this dude has probably been to the Bay City Tall Ships Festival, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And his uh, Japanese voice dubbed Rocco in Rocco's Modern Life. Oh, shit, Japanese Rocco. <laughs> wow, I'm going to try and find that later. That sounds great. I'm surprised Rocco is even something that would get dubbed. Yeah, in, yeah. In Japanese. That's fun. So, so yes, uh, the trap is sprung, and Chosuke doesn't even realize it until he tries to, to run back out, out of this tower, you know, recross the threshold, lunging for the Polaroid as it sails away on the wind, when he halfway turns into the Tin Man from The Wiz. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Th- this is the ability of Superfly. Once you are standing within the confines of this transmission tower, if you try to leave again, you become a part of the tower, and by become part of the tower, you turn into a cyborg. <laughs> yeah, you you just become a well adorned steel statue of yourself. Yeah, so it's a really cool visual though, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like Josuke like has one arm outstretched trying to grab the Polaroid, and so only a, like a third of his face and one leg and one arm that crosses past the threshold turns into metal with nuts yeah, and yeah. bolts and a red robot eye and everything. Uh, and Josuke goes like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> and so he he falls backwards back in within the the confines of the tower, and he. He unmetals himself. Mm-hmm. And someone must always be trapped in Superfly. Uh, uh, and they are not able to leave until someone else becomes trapped in Superfly. So again, I must ask, who planted those vegetables? Exactly. Who, who put them in nice, neat rows? <laughs> this stand that uh, this guy has is a completely independent stand. It's more like a curse, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He can't command it. It's just this transmission tower does this thing and so he's been self-sustaining on this tower he has to because he can't leave or else he turns into a metal statue (laughs) it it came from him but it does not serve him and i mean like we were talking about uh uh, weeks and weeks ago with emily about stand types and how they kind of recontextualize stands we've seen before you you can't Mm -hmm. see this without thinking of anubis yeah yeah at least i can i don't know yeah 
now we've got Josuke, you know, trapped within the confines of the tower, but Okuyasu is still outside. And so is Mikitaka, who is not binoculars, but he is still vaguely in the shape of binoculars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His arms are still in the shape of binoculars, and the rest of him is just kind of normal and sticking out of it. He kind of looks like an arm pillow, but, you know, yes. a man. Yeah, he does. And, like, Mikitaka wants to help, and Okuyasu just says, like, I know you got wacky abilities, but, like, we're stand users. L- leave this to us. Unless you can turn into dynamite or something. And Mikitaka clarifies that, again, he can't turn into, like, complex machinery, and he can't turn into anything that has more destructive force than his normal form. <laughs> so he can't turn into a bomb or, like, a gun or something like that. Sounds like you got to bulk up, my <laughs> Come on, come on. Yeah, right? And so as Josuke is now trapped in the you know, under this tower, the, our evil Keebler elf here, here is just like, oh, hell yeah, I'm free to go. And so he's grabbing onto the electrical power line still attached to this decommissioned tower. And he's just like just climbing his way out of the tower, just like so long, suckers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, if I'm Mikitaka, this is my plan that Okiyasu is not allowing me to do. Step one, go in the tower, releasing Josuke to freedom. Step two, mm-hmm. run and leap out of the tower, becoming a, a steel statue on the way out. Step three, use my alien abilities to not be steel anymore. <laughs> yeah. The end. There's no way to tell how a stand power like this would interact with alien abilities that aren't stands, possibly. So, like, it might work out. It might. I don't know. And if not, just push him back into the tower. Yeah, yeah. Figure something else out. (laughs) Once you find Kira, just throw him in there and get Mikitaka out. There you go. But obviously, this is not Okiyasu's plan. Okiyasu's plan is the same as Josuke's plan. They will defeat this stand with 10 million punches. Yeah, they're just going to punch one of the corners, the one of the supporting corners of the, the tower and just topple it over and bada bing, bada boom, mm-hmm. we're done. The same corner, uh, one from within, one from without, just totally atomizing the, the support structure until the whole thing falls down. And if it falls down, then you win, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. can't be in a tower if the tower is sideways. That's how in works. I, I The dictionary yeah, yeah. said so. <laughs> They just go to town on this this the corner of this tower. They just pulverize the hell out of it. And the evil evil Keebler elf who e- the evil Keebler elf, which is very hard for me to say apparently. Well, because they're such nice boys. Yeah. They just want you to have the cookies. <laughs> you know what? I ate one of those just earlier today and it was good. He he's like, oh no, like, stop punching it. You're making the, the cable shake so much. I'm going to fall. Psych, I'm not owned. You're owned. So there's kind of like a secondary ability to this tower. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever the tower is struck, any energy that travels through it has to come back out. He describes this as the conservation of punching, the lesser known <laughs> sixth law of thermodynamics. <laughs> yeah. Okiyasu and Josuke stop punching and they're just listening to the entire transmission tower just kind of like shake and vibrate and hum Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as all their millions of punches reverberate through it and then eventually travel back to where the source of the punches were and like these ghost after images of both of their stands shoot out and punch their own users Okiyasu gets like a hole punched clean through his side yeah yeah 
and Josuke gets beaten up pretty decently too, and they both go flying. But Okiasu's real hurt. Like his injury is the ticking clock here. Yeah, and now it's like, well, shit. Josuke can't heal him because if he goes out, he's just going to turn into metal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it seems like there, there's nothing these two can do. Our evil elf is just continuing to climb across this wire, and as he does. Uh, the wire starts talking to him. Because <laughs> that's not a wire. I mean, it is, but it's not just a wire. That wire is an alien. Ah! Ah! So yeah, a portion of the wire just becomes like Mikitaka shoots out of a portion of the, the wire and says like, hey, I'm not going to let you escape. How dare you try to trick my friends like this? And and the stand user replies, where did you come from? And how are you a power line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this power line that's just Mikitaka like, there's a real power line, and then there's a portion of it that's just the Miki, Miki Taka power line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Miki Taka just, like, severs a part of himself, essentially, and, and they, they go they swing back swing like Tarzan into... right back inside. <laughs> yeah. And, like, Miki Taka, as the, the cable, is, like, wrapping around this guy and, and, like, restraining him. Earlier on, this villain was basically describing that his stand was, like, the game Old Maid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Mikitaka has no idea what Old Mate is. Because he's an alien. He cannot go two sentences without saying he's an alien. <laughs> no wonder it caused problems at his old school. Yeah. As he's describing, like, I don't know what this Old Maid game is because I'm an alien, but I don't like how you tricked my friends, like cheating at a, at a, like cheating a child while you're playing a New Year's Eve card game. You know about that? <laughs> But not Old Maid? <laughs> they have New Year's on his planet. Lots of planets have years. I guess so. I guess the, I guess that's a, a thing he has to. The Coruscant calendar is based on a 368-day year. Oh, okay. And is the standard for uh, the Galactic Empire. Okay. Our evil elf here is able to free himself mm-hmm. in a very bizarre way. Yeah, yeah. See, he's been swinging around like Tarzan inside here for years, right? And so he's built yeah. up calluses on on his hands. Uh, uh, you, you may have seen heavy calluses from, like, say, uh, manual laborers, uh, guitar players. Mm-hmm. You ain't seen calluses like this. You ain't seen calluses <laughs> so thick that they are effective pockets in which a person may secret away a knife. Like, okay, so he just pulls out, shows his palms, and starts bragging about these super disgusting-looking calluses he, he's developed, which, yeah, are the size of dimes. <laughs> and yeah, he just pulls out a little knife that he hides underneath these calluses and swipes at the, the cable. But that part of the cable wasn't Mikitaka. That part of the cable was just cable, so it's gross and useless. But wait... Yeah. Is it? <gasps> because the, that part of the cable that was the cable is also, by some previously unsaid definition, still part of Superfly. Yeah. So it reflects the stabbing energy done to it and and shoots it out at such an angle determined by the angle of the slice so that now there is an equal and opposite stab into Mikitaka. <laughs> yeah, and it stabs him like in the chest. He apparently cannot shapeshift into an unstabbed elf. That, that is beyond his abilities as well. <laughs> yeah, just just make a hole around where the knife... The Well, I guess it's not a knife. It was just like a laser blast, essentially. <laughs> Whatever I guess got severed, were... unsever it. Just fix it. 
if Miki Taka were quicker on the draw, he could have shapeshifted a hole in his chest for it to just harmlessly pass through. Yeah, but that who would cool. see this coming? <laughs> <laughs> this this is pretty wild, even for JoJo. Yeah, and as our the the villain here uh, in free fall from cutting the cable. He does a flip so that he he's right side up, mm-hmm. and he lands on a, a lower beam of the, the tower, and he throws three large bolts into the tower, and he has such experience with how the tower reflects damage that he can throw these bolts at such a precise angle that the bolts shoot backwards out of the tower and nail Mikitaka like, in a line, pinning his arm to the tower in three separate places. Yeah, he's... He's riveted. I don't mean he's very, yeah. very interested. I mean, he's been attached to the tower via rivets. <laughs> yeah. And, and so Mikitaka's in trouble now. He is, he's been shot through the chest. He's halfway crucified to a transmission tower with rivets. And this, this blow, this uh, a particular exchange with the, the rivet punching is the first part of this fight that I was really interested in. Like Superfly mm-hmm. as a puzzle to work out was interesting, but as a fight, it's just like, yeah, okay, you, you punch it and punch it back. I mean, it had a really cool like uh, uh, visual flair to it. It shredded uh, this guy's shirt, which is appreciated. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but also like... The, the mastery of how he can use it, but but more than that, it, it turns this stand from a puzzle box into, like, an abused fighting dog. Like, yeah, <laughs> this thing is a danger even to, to its owner, but the owner is even more dangerous and knows how to beat it just right so that it bites you yeah. instead. And that's that's an interesting stand relationship. It's a, it's a very villainous stand relationship. Yeah, it's also one of the the rare times where you see a stand user whose own physical strength and and prowess makes the stand way more threatening. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if he couldn't climb and do all this shit and be super buff, like he would not be able to do any of the shit he's doing <laughs> with this tower. He'd be yeah, way yeah, less yeah. of a threat. So it's his own abilities in conjunction with the stand's abilities working together is is cool. Also, it just being kind of like a hostage situation now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All three of them are kind of hostages in their own way. Yeah. Oh, I should mention, like, while Miki Taka was doing all this stuff, this allowed Josuke to get back outside of the, the tower. So both Okiyasu and Josuke are, are outside. Mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. And now it is Miki Taka who is, is trapped. Yeah. And so Josuke and Okiyasu are just shocked and, like, real worried, like, oh, fuck, how do we get Miki Taka out of there and beat this dude? This seems like a, you know, just a real hard dude to, to fight. Because he's so knowledgeable with, with how his stand works and all this. Josuke, so fucking pissed off. Uh, uh, he, he does not know how to stop this guy's escape, but swears that, you know, he's going to track him down to the ends of the earth and, and tear him limb from limb. And, this, and he's just like, uh, you can't find Kira. So I think I'm going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Such, such an incredible taunt. Just really rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is also, I think, the first time we've seen like one of the stand users that's been made by Kira's father who actually kind of willingly knows who he's working for. He hasn't touched ground in three months. The man is lonely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's just everyone else has just been kind of somebody that got turned into a stand and caused trouble for other people. This is like the first real like henchman almost Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of of the main villains. But yeah, this is where we we cut over to... uh, 
Rohan's place at 10:42 a.m. Mm-hmm. He he answers his doorbell and it's it's the fish man. It's the fish man ringing the doorbell saying hello. And that's all we got to do with that right now because it's 8:14 a.m. again. <laughs> yes, we we get a shot of the dimly lit kitchen in Josuke's house again. The fridge door is open. Providing really the only light into the scene, the the light in the fridge. And there's a slight mess, including a knife just laying in the center of the floor. Ominous. A a spilled teacup as well Mm -hmm. on the the floor, right by the door, actually. Meanwhile, also at 8.14 a.m., Koichi's school bag has has been abandoned in a shrub. Yeah. For the record, this is nine minutes after we last saw Koichi's face and 41 minutes after we last saw uh, Tomoko eat the snacks. (laughs) Yeah. At 10.38 a.m., we go to uh, the office building that Kira is now working in, trying to, you know, blend in uh, with the job the the guy he stole his identity had. Uh, And as he's just trying to work, he's, he's feeling his murderous impulses kick in. His nails start growing again. And meanwhile, Hayato is at school, equally not paying attention. Mm-hmm. He is just constantly thinking of what he should do to discover what's actually going on with his dad. Because at this point, he's convinced that his dad is someone else entirely. Yeah, I wonder why he might think that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, that is the cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. To to be continued, they say. Uh, we don't say that, at least not yet. We will say it later, I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting structure in, in a way to trying to combine all of these things that basically happen at the same time in the manga, but are presented not in this way. They were all shorter fights that just don't fit into an episode on their own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In, in the manga, all of these were separate chapters that all happened on the same day. And so in the active adaptation, David Productions is like, what if instead of telling these serially, uh, uh, we just put them all in parallel. And then what if in order to sort of massage the dramatic arc and the tension, we didn't yeah. do it completely linearly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's like kind of weird. I kind of like it though. It's it's definitely something that like you just got to see all four parts like back to back almost. Yeah. <laughs> to really appreciate it. Only watching the first because of, you know, r- restrictions of our format. I mean, this is sort of... Uh, <laughs> several steps of adaptation in a sense. Yeah. It's just two thirds of a stand fight and a lot of orphaned beginnings and setups. Yeah. And even setups to setups. Like again, I don't know how much of that Tuesday stuff is going to matter. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't need a reason for uh, uh, Josuke and Okiyasu to be acting like it's a normal school day. They've done that so many times. They can just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I do like, Superfly as a as a fight, it's it is fun to kind of get a confirmed new type of stand, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sort of just the the independent, the one that's almost more like a like a, a curse that follows you around that you have no control over. That can both be beneficial and and not. And previously, our only confirmed new type was Iggy. So <laughs> I like that the stand is just in a in a immobile object. <laughs> Yes, yes. Like it's, I mean, like it's haunted? <laughs> was it hard not to bring this up when we were uh, talking about, wouldn't it be nice if the stand was just the bait room, and then you went yeah, in the bait yeah. room and something weird happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, here it is. It's Superfly. Also, I just like that the, the immobile object that just punches you if you punch it uh, is called Superfly. Mm-hmm. It's a fun one. 
something I do like about this four-parter and, and how David Productions kind of changed it up so that all these events are kind of happening in parallel instead of one after another. It's kind of cool to see JoJo villains like try to take the whole group out all at once, like divide and conquer style. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, like you kind of saw that that one time in part three, Joseph and Polnareff. I forget who else it was. It was the lovers and then somebody, not the lovers, um, Mariah. Mm-hmm. I forget where her stand was, uh, the name at least. Bast. Yeah, Bast. Those were just shown one after another as normal episodes, even though they were kind of happening in parallel. And so it's it's a neat experiment, at least. I don't know. But it really does feel like one of those things where it's like, if you were just watching this one week at a time, it's just like, man, come on. <laughs> I want to see the guy with the gray hair. What's he do? What's he do? What's he doing? What's Fish Boy's deal? What's Fishboy doing? What What's going to happen between Hayato and Kira? Because yeah. you kind of forgot to see that one in all the other beginnings. It, our last beginning <laughs> is the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they clearly didn't forget. They, it had to go in somewhere, and there was nothing to do with it but just like, hey, these two, they also got business today. <laughs> yeah. It'd be even weirder if it was like the the thing right after Koichi running off to school. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know what to expect because it seems like this this format is going to lead to things being really stuffed and like if it was one big four-part fight like say dio and jotaro for instance (laughs) yeah the first part would be uh all the parts with the the character interaction the dramatic moments and then it would just be more and more tension more and more turnabouts uh, and and punch-based interactions yeah but with four plot lines running in parallel i'm hoping i'm hoping some of that good stuff is peppered throughout Mm-hmm. Because the only characters that got to have any of that so far are the ones that have also been in active stand fights. Yep. Gosh, I don't re- really remember how it goes. This this, this four part is like the foggiest part of my memory of part four, actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes as well because I I don't quite remember honestly. Whenever I say, man, I wish part four was even longer, it's because I want that stuff. Like like I was saying in in our last guest episode, I don't want more weird stands. I like more weird stands. But what I'm asking for is new pairs, new trios bouncing off each other in new ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the the next three, especially because these are almost going to be like new episodes to me. I barely remember them. Except for, like, one part, I think. I am excited at the idea that, like, Koichi and Tomoko have to hang out mm, because mm-hmm. they're being menaced by the same spiky-haired person. It's the same with part three, where I kind of wished Holly eventually got mastery over her stand. It would be kick-ass if jo- uh, Josuke's mom was just like, oh, shit, I got a stand. Or even, <laughs> I mean, able to use it. Hayato is holding shit down without a stand. I don't I don't need yeah. her to have a stand. I just need her to interact more because she's fun. And in yeah. an action series like that, the way that request is fulfilled is having them take a hand in the action. Yeah, that, that's more what I mean, really. Uh, Tomoko is a character I, I always want to see more of. She's just a really fun character. Like she can clearly defend herself in some way. She's just got to have a car window to drive people's faces through. <laughs> like as long as the stand is near a car, I think she's got it good. It would probably be easier if her dad were still alive. Cause then he could also just shoot people. Cause <laughs> he was a cop who didn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, 
you can't tell me that she wouldn't be able to fight in some way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and take part of the action. Superfly would just let her go. Or she would turn into a metal statue and then just bust out of it <laughs> and just leave a shell of her, a metal shell of herself behind. <laughs> no, actually, she'd be trapped like that and then she would be cured by Josuke doing something that pisses her off and then she rips out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There you go. Can Crazy Diamond rearrange you to not be metal anymore? <laughs> oh, I wonder. I, I wonder. Th- I mean, you could rearrange your metal to be different metal. Yeah, I guess if you get turned into a metal statue and you're just entirely made out of metal now. Crazy Diamond would just become your puppeteer. Yeah, Crazy Diamond doesn't do alchemy. It's just metal, so it would just be metal in a different shape. You know, in Young Frankenstein, and like the sheriff has the prosthetic arm that he can't move, so he spends all his time using one arm to move the other arm. Mm-hmm. The arms are now Tomoko and Crazy Diamond. <laughs> I like that Miki Taka shows up again, too. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I wish Miki Taka was a, a character that Araki had thought up earlier in part four so he could have gotten more time. Because Miki Taka isn't like a super important character, but I really like him. In the five episodes since his debut, counting his debut, he's been a pretty major part of four of them. Yeah. <laughs> so like, th- them's Rohan numbers, honestly. That's like, true. Come That's, on. That, that, those are Rohan numbers, actually. You're right. Like, he gets a bunch of episodes in a row here where he's, he he features, but he's not, like, part of the main cast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. during the end bits. And it just feels like if he was introduced earlier, he would have just been, like, alongside Rohan as a new member of the main cast, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say too much. I feel like maybe th- there could be a more fruitful discussion on this later. But sp- speaking mm-hmm. of new characters coming to grab screen time, I feel like we're kind of done with Koichi. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like his his big victory against Kira was kind of like the end of his story. And now we're, we're just in like Koichi denouement while, while everyone else is still building to a climax. I would say that 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 victory over Kira is kind of the conclusion to the big arc of, of Koichi and, and getting the fully evolved version of his stand in the process. Koichi's got the the hot girlfriend that's four times his size. Like he's got it made. <laughs> he he's finished. But he has a promise that is yet unfulfilled. Yeah, there there definitely is some more Koichi stuff. But the show after after that big victory over Kira, he has the show definitely veers away from focusing on him for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a thing where it's just like, man, I wish part four were double the length just so we could get more of that stuff. Because, yeah, like, you don't notice it at first. It's like, oh, Koichi's on the back burner for a while here. And then it's just like, wait a minute. Where's my boy? <laughs> hey. Put him I on the front him. burner. Burn him. Burn the boy. Burn him. I want to see him dance. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how many haircuts he's got in him. Come on. Mentioning this, too, the, the first episode of the two we did today. Um, I think this is kind of a new, new thing in JoJo 2 where we basically got an entirely v- villain-focused episode. Yeah. That was all Kira. Yeah. Uh, And like there were, you know, earlier episodes that were Kira was almost like the protagonist of it. But this one, he straight up just was the protagonist of the episode. Yeah, no no one outside of his new home appears. Like, not even his dad. But I don't know. I kind of like that. But this is definitely the most focus any and and like character build up any villain in Jojo has got. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, well, I mean, part three Dio got all of part one. (laughs) Yeah, I, Dio gets a lot in a very quick amount of time, but that's just because that's how Dio works. He, 
don't know, just the dynamic of him trying to blend into this whole family is like a fun new thing that the villain has to deal with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's very powerful and stuff, but he still feels like just like the heroes, he is kind of stumbling through this stuff and, <laughs> and having to come up with stuff on the fly to to keep himself from getting caught. Mm-hmm. Like he got fucked up by a plant. He sure he sure did. But then <laughs> he learned to just treat the plant like a friend. Like he did he did a Josuke, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. He found what what the plant really needed, which is to be treated like a, a cute, playful little kitty cat, uh, mm-hmm. uh and and have its like the, the identity of its soul validated. <laughs> and he's yeah. got a friend. There There is value in giving time for a villain to breathe, to, to be the focal mm. character, and let them make their case, right? Why they see the world the, the way they do, or, or what they want out of life that, that seen through anyone else's life. Uh, eyes is clearly evil you know and, and letting them really speak directly to the reader by being the focal character for a while so that then when the big confrontation comes out you can see with complete understanding that no you're you're still shitty you're real fucked yeah. up and bad yep <laughs> like i i'm reminded of paul cornell's run on action comics uh uh <laughs> Mm. which was all about Lex Luthor going on a quest for ultimate power and seizing it. And then in like the last issue, Superman finally re-enters the narrative. Uh, and ah. it's great. It's so fucking good. Look for Superman, the Black Ring. The story ends in or just before Action Comics 1000. It's really good. Sorry, that's actually Action Comics issues 890 through 900. My mistake. I don't know. I just wanted to talk about uh, UX Comics <laughs> authors that aren't Jack Kirby and Grant Morrison. but Yeah. Or I guess UK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sounds cool. I might check that out, actually. I got it uh, on the shelf. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Most of my exposure to DC stuff was mainly just through the DCAU. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there was that portion, like Justice League... And Justice League Unlimited, where it's all Lex Luthor trying to attain godhood, kind of. And yeah, that's I like. I like it, those parts a lot. It is a form of godhood that is sort of in the aftermath of the uh, Blackest Night storyline, with all a bunch of like cosmic Green Lantern shit. But the okay. event isn't important. The fact that there's MacGuffins that will make Lex Luthor god is important. Okay. <laughs> and it puts him on a collision course with uh, roughly a dozen other villains. The uh, the fucking Vandal Savage issue is so good. Is so good. Mm. All you have to tell me is like L- Lex Luthor is trying to become God. And it's just like, yeah, I'm always down with that type of storyline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's also a pretty famous panel of Gorilla Grodd from early in this run. Hmm. <laughs> Good. Oh, yeah, I've seen this panel before. Hell yeah. <laughs> With the spoon? Yeah. yeah. That's a good panel. I was about to say there needs to be a Gorilla Grodd in, in JoJo, but I guess there kind of already was, huh? <laughs> yeah, you didn't like him much. No. <laughs> I liked ha- half of them. Yeah, yeah. Look, you can keep the part where the, the orangutan likes to look at Playboys, whatever. Obviously. That's I weird mean, who and wouldn't? funny. <laughs> he's a very intelligent there's a lot of good short fiction in there <laughs> yeah he's reading vintage issues they're they're really good Let's give him more rubik's cubes <laughs> keep him away from that little girl uh next week we got these finishing up the the july 15th yes four parter that'll be fun it is kind of wild to just see like so many different 
people and stands like fighting all within the same time. The whole, the whole far part feels very chaotic, both intended and potentially unintended, <laughs> just with the way they structure it. I I am looking forward to see like the fact that they bit off so much. I got I gotta see how they chew it. I gotta see, yeah. I gotta watch them chew. How do they chew that? Never said that before in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's all I got. Uh, let's see. Mm. Oh, I forgot to tell a joke about the cat confusing toxoplasmosis and tracheotomies, but that's okay. It wasn't very good. So, <laughs> okay. as promised, now is when I say to be continued. See you later, buddy. that? It's Angel Wings Bellina. He's tracked me down. You gotta hide me. You gotta. He's coming. He's coming for me. Help me. Help. Whale Crime. Tuesdays only on CBS.